Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we take a look at Taika Waititi's filmography. And we also check out Kevin Can Whoop Himself and chat about reboots. It's time for a top three turf war. Taika Waititi has two films that have just come out on August 6th. We got the Ryan Reynolds property, Free Guy, and the Suicide Squad movie is coming out as well. Yeah, that's James Gunn's Suicide Squad. And it's getting universal praise. At the time we're recording, it's not out yet, but it is getting huge props uh, across critics. So we wanted to just take a minute to think about Taika. Taika Waititi has kind of like warmed his way into both of our hearts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we wanted to kind of point out the properties we love the most from Taika, including his TV and film, if if that hits our top three. And it doesn't need to be a starring role. He's uh, he's acted in 41 different IMDb credit items. So So we're taking a look at things that he's acted in, and we're asking ourselves... What's the best movie or TV property that he's been involved with? Yeah, exactly. So why don't you kick us off with your number three Taika movie or TV show that he's been involved with? Number three on my list is a TV show. Oh. It is What We Do in the Shadows. See, this is fascinating to me. Fascinating to me. That it's the TV show and not the film. I didn't really like the film. Oh, I'm aware. I remember. It's just so much funnier. It's less absurd, and that makes it so much funnier. I, I, I really love it. I think it's a great, great TV show. There is a lot to love about the FX TV show. I will agree with that. Like, there is... You really get to know the characters, and you really love what is going on in New York. And we get to meet other vampires. You get to meet so many other cool, like Nick Kroll as a vampire and like other people as vampires that I think uh, elevates the show. Not to mention the inclusion of the energy vampire who makes me laugh so much. The energy vampire is by far my favorite vampire in the entire series because he's just so damn funny because you can relate. Everybody has been in a situation where they've like come across an energy vampire. And wouldn't it be cool if that was like a real thing and they were really an energy vampire? Oh, yeah. And like when he comes across the female energy vampire, there's a great episode in the first season where it's like, this is where I am. This is not where you are. And they like end up, <laughs> they end up going out on a date just to suck the life out of people it is fantastic great comedy i mean it's a really funny show and i can't really fault you for having the tv show and not the movie and and beanie fieldstein feldstein fieldstein however yeah yeah feldstein she's in it you know she's just fantastic so and it's coming back for season three on fx got to get that in there for all of our Canadian viewers who are checking it out on FX Canada. It's coming this September. I believe it's September 2nd. So make sure you set your PVRs. 
or order FX today. All right. Gee, that's I wonder enough, who Jay. works that's for uh, a network that also has <laughs> FX on them. <laughs> that's okay. Oh no matter where you're looking at it, I mean, hey, it's a good show. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want to throw my number three out there, and it's Hunt for the Wilder People. This is a film that he directed. He also has a small role in the ending of the film, which is just amazing. But Hunt for the Wilder People is one of those films that is all heart. And it's Sam Neill just trying to deal with this like kid that he doesn't really want to be around. We've seen this premise before. But if you haven't seen Hunt for the Wilder People, like it is so charming it's so charming i think it was my number two that year and fun fact it's my number two film so we can talk about it right literally now. together right now yeah okay yeah i think it is i think it's hilarious i love that the kid in it has gone on to do other things like deadpool 2 he's the young guy from deadpool and, 2 and kong versus Godzilla or something? The one that came, yeah. the Kong one that came out this year? Yeah, Godzilla versus Kong. He's in that. But you know what? We don't have to talk about that. Maybe, maybe that movie. But the thing is, he's getting work. And I hadn't seen Sam Neill in a really long time. And he shows up in this New Zealand feature. And I just absolutely adored him taking on this kid. He doesn't want to be there. And then this woman dies who's there and he's kind of at obligation there for this child. And it is heartbreaking and heartwarming. And I love Hunt for the Wilder People. I cannot recommend it enough if you haven't seen this film. I think the only thing I really want to add is that Hunt for the Wilder People is beautiful. Like it's a beautiful film. And I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say it is more beautiful than anything I've seen from Chloe Zhao, which has only been Nomadland. You think Hunt for the Wilder People like looks better than Nomadland? Yeah, absolutely. Especially like the outdoor stuff, the forest stuff. It's so beautiful. I don't know if I can agree with you. I don't really like Nomadland as a film, but it is beautiful. Like, I can't argue it's a gorgeous looking film. Yeah, it, it is beautiful, but not nearly as beautiful as Hunt for the Wilder People. I, for one thing, I don't love the color of it. I think it made a lot of sense for the movie, but it kind of made it also like less beautiful. I like the coloring that Taika's films have. And I and I think that he made the, the forest so like exotic and beautiful and just like pop. And, and to me, Nomadland was some beautiful vistas and plains. But like, I don't know. I, I don't fully understand the beauty everyone talks about. You know, it's just those vistas. And I I don't know. I think you're throwing shade a little here by doing this. I, by I'm this throwing a little bit of shade, but I, like, I think you look, are. Nobody sits here and talks about how freaking beautiful Hunt for the Wilder People is. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Like if you go on IMDb and you go through the stills, you also have vistas, beautiful vistas. You also have really cool shots, faraway shots of the sky and New Zealand, really. And nobody talks about how beautiful yeah. Hunt for the Wilder People is. is, but you know what? It's gorgeous. gorgeous. It's gorgeous. 
On, I was recently asked if I could live anywhere in the world, where would I live? And I said, New Zealand. They don't have the crazy dangerous animals the way that Australia does. I think the culture of the aboriginals is still alive and well and, and very interesting to me. Not to mention just how unbelievably gorgeous the mountainsides and the valleys and the, the nature is in New Zealand. And I, I think if there was anywhere else I was moving other than Canada, I would think New Zealand. I agree with you. It's a totally lovely, livable nation. They have an amazing head of state. I don't actually know if she's prime minister or something else. Yeah, I yeah. think prime minister. Yep, prime minister. It's a great, great country. So hopefully we get some Kiwis listening this time around. And they write us and say like, hey, thanks for saying our country is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess I, I'm jumping into my number two. That's and it true. might be your number one. So it's Jojo Rabbit. And that is your number one, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely my number one. So we can talk about it right now. Should we talk about it right now? Or should I just very quickly talk about why the film What We Do in the Shadows is my favorite? No, no. We'll get <laughs> there. When one. it's your turn to talk about your number one. Now we're going to talk about your number two and my number one. <laughs> All right. Well, Jojo Rabbit blew me away. So when you see that his imaginary friend is Hitler, you kind of go, what? How is this going to play? Well, let me tell you, it plays real well. Like, it is so satirically, unbelievably funny. And the rest of the film is heartbreaking. It is poignant. When you look at the film from a xenophobic lens, not to mention the lens of history, it is unreal how great a film Taika Waititi was able to write and direct which obviously the award season came around and said yeah it is it is that good giving all kinds of awards and nominations to Jojo Rabbit if you've been sleeping on this film I don't know why it is so good you will love it it's beautiful. I love the war scenes. They were so fun. The The lens of the child's view of like World War II and Nazis is really interesting. In some ways, it's associated with that war just from Anne and Frank's diary and stuff. But in other ways, we haven't seen that in so long. And I loved that like look of atrocity through the eyes of like an innocent mind I, I it was just such an interesting interesting look at humanity really and you get these great supporting characters in Sam Rockwell and Scarlett Johansson uh well I wouldn't say Scarlett is I would say it's Scarlett's movie almost more than anyone else I kind of came at each of my films because we've talked about them a lot with like what do I want to say about it today and I really wanted to talk about the fact that she was just brilliant in this film and really stole the show right up until that one scene which we will not uh talk we will about not at this talk moment. about that scene don't even bring she plays a mother who is on the right side of history she is looking to thwart the nazis at every turn and doing her part but her little child has been brainwashed by all the propaganda. And she just gives this really beautiful nuanced performance of both love and disappointment. Absolutely. And it, and it's not like 
you're wrong and I'm right, or, you know, you're going to listen to me now. It's not that kind of parenting. It is very much feel how I feel through my loving actions. And if you get it, great. And if you don't get it, that's okay. But this is how I, this is how I am dealing with the war. You can either come along with me or not, but she doesn't stop him from all his like Nazi training and Gestapoing and all all the crap. Well, that I he's think there's into. there's an element that she knows that he's going to be kept safe as a little Nazi, right? And if he's too anti-Nazi, then they're both gonna die. There's a lot of layers to the whole thing. I love this film. I know you love this film. I think it was your number one a couple of years back. Um, it was. I, I can't say anything bad about this film. Like I've revisited it a couple of times. It always like gives me something new every time with these in- incredible supporting characters. So I have a fun fact about Taika's directing style that I learned today. So apparently he's very good at giving his actors freedom to be silly and explore scenes. That's actually, I think, the key and the secret to why he's always getting such great performances out of people. Uh, I was watching a YouTube clip of an actor just saying that they didn't feel the pressure to get the take right perfectly every time. And then that frees them up to explore. And then that can actually be where some real gems in acting come out of. So fun fact about Taika. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, he's an actor's director, I would say, because... Yeah, and and he's a comedy guy too, right? And comedy is a lot about playing and giving people some space and, and exploring and finding new things. Well, my number one is What We Do in the Shadows, which is directed by both Taika Waititi and Jemaine Clement. The, the absurdity of this idea that these vampires live together and there's a film crew going in. And I would say it's a little more brutal than the FX TV show. The FX TV show really leans into the, the friendships of everybody on the show. Yeah. Where where the film is all about like, what a dangerous thing it is to be filming these vampires as they're like having orgies and killing people. And like, trying to avenge their lost loves and just ridiculous things. But I know when I first saw the film, I was absolutely blown away by how hilarious they were. And the newly turned vampire who's a hipster who is trying to get into like the cooler clubs and the other guys are like trying to keep up with him, but they can't like, it's just, it's absurd. And it's that comedy that they just let things happen and see where it goes. And very luckily, I think that this mockumentary, I think, went really, really well. So that's why I'm throwing it in, number one. What we do in the shadows and what we do in the shadows are on this list twice. So, okay. So as we build the the list, I feel like Jojo Rabbit and Hunt for the Wilder People should automatically be put into spots one and two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They're both on both of our lists. Like mine is just slightly higher than yours. I'm okay with both of that. But which, which we, (laughs) 
The key here is that you put what we do in the shadows, the movie, in your number one slot. But you don't like it. Is, you don't. You wouldn't even recommend it to people. I wouldn't. That's true. But I also am aware that it has cult status. People are obsessed with what we do in the shadows, the movie, so much so that they were able to make a TV property out of it. I would say that the TV show is close enough. And I also think that, like, I watch both. So I have no problem telling people that they need to see the TV show, what we do in the shadows. You have an issue with being like, yeah, go watch the mockumentary, the movie. Like it's, I think that is the kicker for our collected list. For the collective list, right? That that TV show needs to be in that number three spot because, hey, that wouldn't exist without my number one pick. Let's put it that way. So do we have a list? I think we have an agreement here. I mean, what what is the agreement? We're kind of like bending the the rules. What we were going to say, we were going to say, We go with the TV series. Well, it's something we both would recommend where only I would recommend the film. True. But like mentioning the TV series also kind of nods to the movie. So in some ways we're kind of giving like we're we're keeping all the selections in play here. (laughs) Can I I mention that I am a little bit shocked Thor Ragnarok isn't on your list? Oh, yeah. Like, look. I, I thought about Endgame. I thought about Thor Ragnarok. But at the end of the day, like, I rank these movies higher. I, I go back to these movies more. I like Thor Ragnarok. Don't get me wrong. Love Endgame for how... I love Endgame for how it stuck the landing on 23 movies more than I love it as, like, its own thing. As a movie, I'm like, well, you're a disjointed kind of, like, messy movie. But as the conclusion to 23 movies, that, like, it's be- it's perfect. It's a great ending. Right, but not actually the thing that's going to be number one. Do you that's think that any right. of the movies that are coming up could possibly end up in your top three? I don't, I don't think so. The upcoming MCU movies? No, no, like uh, Suicide Squad and Free Man. Ooh, I think uh, I think the Suicide Squad has a chance, and Free Guy. I don't know. Maybe Ryan Reynolds hasn't been doing it for me lately. I don't know why. I mean, he's great, and it looks like a fun movie, but I don't think it's gonna be. It looks like Ready you know, Player One. Prolific. Looks like Ready Player One without all the acknowledgments to all the other properties. That's sort of what it looks like to me. Right. And that was the thing about Ready Player One that people liked anyway. Yeah. I liked that I got to see Chucky in a movie that I didn't expect to see Chucky. And that was the only part. Those were the only things I like really resonated with that film. As you know, <laughs> you hated that movie. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't even passion. finish the second book. I couldn't finish the second book. I was so distracted by the amount of IP that they crammed in it that I was like, no, like too much entertainment today now is turning into look at what else we have. The new space jam is crammed with just look how much WB owns Batman, Superman, game of Thrones, Harry Potter. And I'm like, 
why is this all in your Space Jam movie? Like, this is lunatics. You can't put Easter eggs in everything. Exactly. Anyway, we're not talking about Ready Player One or even Space Jam. We are going to count down our list of Taika Waititi properties. All right. In the number three position on a technicality, what we do in the shadows, the TV show. Number two, Hunt for the Wilder People. And the number one Taika Waititi property is his film, Jojo Rabbit. I love it. I love it. Jay, I have, for me, for me, I think, some big news. And uh, I'm a little nervous, I have to tell you. You're, you're nervous about telling me the news or you're nervous about what the news contains? I'm nervous about what's going to be in my future. So I've I've been reading this book called Lifespan by David Sinclair. He's like a super famous PhD Harvard researcher. He's out to end aging. Like that's his mission in life. He knows that like by 2050, like we're all screwed, right? <laughs> well, he, he wants us to at least feel young while sure. we're being screwed. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Go on, go on. I'm slightly obsessed with like finding ways to optimize my health. As you know, I spent years reading everything I could get my hands on with nutrition. Then I felt like, okay, yeah, I know kind of what could be optimal. And yeah, you you have been trying to get me on the right track. And for the most part, I've taken some of your advice, like always having veggies and, and greens in whatever meal I'm having and to always eat those first. And that has been like my thing for a while. A super simple way to just inject some health. And so I've been very curious about what this David Sinclair has been saying about anti-aging. I've read a lot of stuff online, but you know, online stuff, it can get distorted. So I started reading his book and I decided I'm going to do my first supplements. Like I'm going to like give this a shot. It's a little nerve wracking because there's a lot of supplements out there and I don't know that all of them are actually like healthy for people to be taking. Yeah. Um, Like how do you narrow this down? How do you look at what the right ones will be for you? And I, I mean that when you say you're afraid or you're nervous to tell me like that would be the thing about taking supplements that I would find nervous and nerve wracking. Like, is this the right one? And how much do I have to take? And how long do I have to take it? It's not regulated in the same way that like drugs are regulated. There's just not as much science behind a lot of supplements. But at the same time, this is just so enticing, like these anti-aging supplements. So there's two that I'm thinking about going into. I'm pretty confident I'm going to start the one, maybe even both. Um, One is called NR and another one is called NMN. And NMN is the one that like David Sinclair is the most known for, you know, spearheading. And then there's like another doctor guy, I forget his name right now, and he's the NR doctor guy. And the two of them actually have a rivalry. So there's like a lot of drama in the health span doctor space. (laughs) That is quite entertaining. But you know what? I'm just a little too curious. And I I feel like I think I just want to give this a shot. And it's associated colloquially with like 
Uh, cell repair is a big one. And the other thing is energy levels for people. Like people just feel more optimistic and happier and have more energy. But I'm kind of very curious about this whole like extending your health span and just like being healthy for longer. And I feel like it's good to sort of get a little bit of a preventative action going on with this stuff. I'm like, I like listening to like everything you've just said. And I think it's, fascinating because like obviously the pharmaceutical companies are always looking at ways to create supplements and build things i'm reading a different book right now and it's bill gates how to avoid a climate uh crisis and it's a very optimistic book i am not optimistic about anything in the future and i'm like very much like there's no way we can get to zero there's no way we can get to zero carbon and when i think of like big pharma they emit more greenhouse gases building stuff than like the automotive industry (laughs) and i'm just like holy shit like everything we do is gonna lead to bad so like these supplements that you will live forever what are you gonna be living in well, it's not really about like living forever, at least not for me. Like I really have no interest in living all that long, but I have a lot of interest in feeling healthy for as long as humanly possible. Like I don't want my energy to go down and I don't want to have aches and pains all the time. I want to feel good for Actually, as long that's, as possible. That is something you have like said time and time again like even though you are fully vaccinated you are actually afraid to get covid because of those long lasting covid symptoms even though you wouldn't die and even though you may not even be hospitalized you could obtain those long lasting symptoms which depletes energy and that for you is like one of the scariest things ever Yeah, absolutely. I basically run my life like a freaking Energizer bunny. What if I couldn't get through all that? How would I even exist if I wasn't as like productive as I am right now? So, but when do you stop? So when are you going to start taking these supplements? Hopefully I put in like an online order this week. And then my question is with your energy and your, your continuous like goal to have as much energy as possible. When do you add time for resting? Oh, I have, I also have high rest needs, which is why I don't sleep very much. So like I will choose to like rest and relax and like decompress over sleeping because that, that's my like. I see. Okay. So like, So you'll like veg out on the couch and watch something and that is your rest. Totally. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. 100%. I like it. I, I, Well, I'm very excited to hear what happens with the supplements. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. Like this will be an interesting kind of self-experiment. Mmm, reboot rumors. It has been a while since we have talked about some reboot rumors and I am very excited that I went over to Reddit today and I looked up and I grabbed some reboots that might be in the works. I've got one and you've got two. So what is your first one? All right. So the first one I found on Reddit and it is Sliders, the TV show. Oh, that 90s TV show with Jerry O'Connell? 
That is it, that 90s TV show with Jerry O'Connell. The premise is that Jerry was a scientist who was experimenting in his garage, which is very like mid to late 90s. And then he discovers a portal to all the, to the many different dimensions. So like it posits that there are an infinite amount of universes. Now the premise of course is that they go through at some point in the pilot and then they kind of get lost and they're trying to get back to their home earth. It's got a Star Trek vibe. In each one there is almost a a political difference or a social commentary difference to our world in this new world and you know they've got to find a way to acclimate and how are they going to make it through you know, 24 hours or 48 hours in this world before they slide again into a new world. So are you saying that they're about to reboot the TV series? That's the rumor. Apparently, Jerry O'Connell wants this thing to happen as well as John Reese Myers, who was the older professor guy. And so the two of them, I guess, have been like going into interviews insinuating that if there was a reboot, they would find that pretty damn cool. <laughs> and and so that's about as far as it goes. I don't actually think this is in the works, but I, okay. I would love, I would love to see that. I would love to see that too. It, I, I really enjoyed the show. Like I think... You know, one of the things in pandemic that I, I definitely did was go back to old 90s shows and early 2000s shows and like just go through them and see what they were like. And, you know, I had caught them on television and now I just kind of want to see them as an adult. And Sliders would be a great one to revisit. I would love to see a reboot. It sounds like it's kind of like wishful thinking on the on the cast behalf, but it'd be really cool. If you were to reboot the show, how would you reboot it? Would you bring back the old cast? Would you do new cast? New cast, but in the first episode, they slide to a universe that has the old cast. Ooh, so then, and the old cast is actually like, has been stuck and trying to get home forever? Oh, no, I, I, the old cast, the old cast is home now. They found their way back. And they're not going to go on the adventure, but they're going to like be like, it may take a while. <laughs> <laughs> you have inspired something. Me, I kind of like the idea of a new cast figuring out the technology, repeating the same mistake, and then finding the old cast in the world on the last episode of season one. Oh, that's even cooler. That is definitely even cool because it has to be the full cast. It's not like they ever went different directions. Like totally. they were always together. So they have to find the whole cast, I think. Unless, of be, course, if someone great. has passed away or something. Right, right. But then that's why I'm like, it's back on the original world. But but yeah, this yeah. world is different than our world. Like the new sliders are from a different dimension. Ah, not see, ours. okay. And mine, the new sliders are in our world, but in the future. And oh, yeah, so. Okay. Oh, that's cool, too. I like that, too. And so when they meet, it's also they're curious, like, what has happened? Because they've been growing older, going through all the different universes. Cool. All right. Well, which one did you find on the interwebs? All right. Mine is Haunted Mansion. Now, this has no connection to the last Haunted Mansion that Eddie Murphy did. With that said, this is Disney doing it again. It is a family adventure. And it's based on that haunted mansion ride again but 
Here's the thing that made me really excited to put it on the list. It's going to star Tiffany Haddish and our pal Lakeith Stanfield. I love both of those actors. I don't really understand basing a property on a ride. Like that part of it, I'm not I'm not 100% sure about. But like, you know what? Certainly can't hurt to give it a, a watch. Hey, it worked for Pirates of the Caribbean. That started as a ride too? Yeah, it was started out as just like a, a ride at Disney World. Jungle Cruise just dropped this weekend as we're recording. Started out as a ride. Haunted Mansion. They've done it before Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy. But the Eddie Murphy version, that's not a good one, right? I've heard it's a bad movie. It's not a great movie. That is true. But I kind of really am into this because the director from Dear White People, Justin Simeon, this is his first big studio project. Like he's done indies and now Disney's like, yes, bring Lakeith Stanfield and make this big family adventure film. That's interesting to me in every way. That is very interesting because he doesn't strike me as a family adventure film kind of guy. Yeah, it's going to be a family adventure from Disney. Oh, wow. Okay, well, bring it on. One thing that I really respect and like about what Disney is doing recently is they're bringing in some really interesting creators and they're giving them the opportunity to have massive budgets and success at a really large scale. And so I have to respect that. And so hats off to Disney on that. Absolutely. I happen to really enjoy all the supernatural haunted mansion ride at Disney. So I'm in. I want to and obviously got to support Lakeith. He's like a brilliant genius. All right. This next one, like I think the likelihood of it happening is zero. So the fans and the press seem to be pressing for this one. But I don't believe that it's actually in the works. And it is a reboot of Married with Children. Started in the like 80s all the way through the 90s classic. And that is one of your favorite TV shows. Yeah, I I watched it when I was growing up, but I have revisited it and I still love the show. Do not get me wrong, but it's like extremely offensive. (laughs) Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you think that you would want to see a reboot of Married with Children? And how would they even do it today as Married with Children was risque for the 90s? How do you even pull that off today? I got to say. It's risque to this day, especially because it is absolutely and unapologetically misogynistic and leans heavily on stereotypes. I mean, it's sexism at its like finest. It is unapologetically so. It's like sexism, sexism. It beats you over the head with it in a way that's somehow weirdly charming, but like... I think that's only because I have memories of it in my childhood before I even understood what they were saying. It was one of the first shows I really remember watching in Canada. And then when I started to get older, like suddenly my dad wouldn't let me watch it anymore. Of course. And I remember how much it deeply hurt me. I didn't understand because, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I'm getting older. I should be allowed to watch the show more. But like... But really, my dad was like, oh, shoot, she laughed at a joke that she shouldn't be laughing at. (laughs) And that was the end of that. And so I I guess I just have like warm and fuzzies. But honestly, I don't know. I don't think it could be so sexist. But if you want to be risque, just put it on just like it is with a new cast, I guess. 
I think that your married with children reboot rumor that is I I agree. I don't think it, this is going to happen. But no it's way. almost no. the perfect segue into our next segment. That's true actually. Shall we? Let's do it. This is Top Drawer TV. Last week was Ivana's chance to pick a TV show. And she went with Kevin Can F Himself on AMC. Come on, we've got that explicit tag. Let's use it. All right. This is the story of Allison, played by Annie Murphy, who is married to Kevin. Who can go fuck himself. Oh, yeah, he can. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, this is actually a really unique program. It mixes sitcom live action programs of the past with AMC dramatic programming of present day. When we meet Allison, she's preparing for her 10th anniversary and Kevin is preparing a rager of a party for it. And Allison sort of gently asks for something just a little bit more grown up. But that's not in the cards because Kevin promises next year they'll do that. This year, they rage. We quickly learn that Allison dreams of moving to a new community and owning their own home. And that magically, it will make life better. And so we go back and forth from this sitcom world of comedy of one-liners and shenanigans to actually how Allison feels in possibly the real world. The total shifts are really interesting and made more poignant by the lighting and production values seen to see. The first episode ends with Allison discovering that all the money that the two were saving is gone. Kevin spent it on whatever he wanted, including Allison's portions of the saving. And Allison, after a night of cocaine and roaming the streets, wakes up to a hungover Kevin who tells his wife what Allison wants, Allison gets. At this point, Allison imagines killing her husband before cutting back to the sitcom world where everything seems to be okay. But as Allison walks away from the scene, she is smiling. So Jay, what are your thoughts on this pilot and are you going to continue watching the show? Definitely going to continue watching the show. I bought the full season. What I really like about this is I'm not sure what is real And what is not, and what I think is real, is the horrifying sitcom world that she is living in. Like, I think the sitcom is, in fact, the real world of this Fred Flintstone husband who is selfish to her being the Wilma character, always having to put up with his shenanigans, and... That is actually the real world. So when we go into the drama and everything shifts, it is more likely that that is like how she feels and what is like true to her, I think. Yeah, the show kind of shows you both of their outlook on the world and kind of like both are real. So Allison's world is a lot more grimy and AMC and dark. And bleak. I think Kevin's world is honestly a sitcom. I think that's how he sees the world through that lens. That's true because Kevin is never in that dark and gritty world. Whenever Kevin's on screen, it's that sitcom. Exactly. If Kevin is there, it is the sitcom. And I think that Allison 
the first episode is about her waking up out of the delusion that she's been living, to be honest. Because like she has that happy place that she goes to, which is weirdly 1950s, you know, like she is pouring Kevin a beer in their perfect suburban kitchen. Yeah, that's the other part. It's super misogynistic in the sitcom and even in her dream of this And this show does seem to be the perfect mix of the Flintstones and Better Call Saul. Beautiful house that she wants to escape to. She is still under the thumb of misogyny. Yeah, like she's still serving him. Take those two shows, smash them together, and that's what you get. And I keep going back to the Flintstones because it really was the first Joe Blow gets this beautiful wife who waits on him hand and foot. Absolutely. And then all of the sitcoms that came after were kind of mirrored to that. And I've been watching a lot of CBS All Access, or sorry, Paramount Plus shows, a lot of old sitcoms. And I'm like, wow, literally the misogyny is, this man is Fred Flintstone, and that is Wilma to his Fred Flintstone. 100%. When we go to the sitcom world and Kevin can fuck himself, it is a cartoon. Well, so what's interesting is like this show apparently is throwing some major shade at Kevin James. Well, of course, because Kevin can wait and, you know, King of Queens, like Kevin can wait is 100% Kevin can fuck himself. 100%. How could you not? How could you not go there? So there's rumors that basically like since Kevin Can Wait wasn't doing that well and King of Queens did very well, they actually like killed off his wife character and then brought in Leia Ramini or I'm not sure exactly. The original wife from King of Queens. And that actually, I think, made the show survive a little bit longer. So Kevin didn't do anything about it. You know, he could have stood up for his character, but he just sort of let the whole thing happen. And I think this show is very much throwing shade on Kevin James, like unapologetically so. With a title like that, absolutely it is. And I'm interested to see where it goes because we met some characters. Like we met the sister who lives next door and the sister and Allison, they sort of don't really get along, but also it feels like New Jersey and it's, you know, these. It's Boston, isn't it? It's Boston. Is it Boston? Blake explained this to me because he understood all the sports references. I did not, but it's, yeah, it's Boston. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Because they all have Boston accents. I can never place the Boston accent. Me neither, to be honest. But now that you say Boston, totally get it. Uh, Like, I don't know who owns Bev's Diner, but it seems like it could be an ex-flame. I like this because I know all the answers. So, like, tell me your theory. So, okay. So, what do you think about the owner of Betty's Diner? Okay. So, the owner, I think, is, like, an ex-boyfriend or, like, somebody who they had a crush on each other in high school. To me, it sounds like Annie Murphy rushed in with Kevin. I like that she's working with, I guess, her aunt. Yeah, I think it's like an aunt of some sort. That seems appropriate. Like the neighborhood Coke dealer is catcalling and she ends up going with him at the end of the first episode to do some Coke. That was pretty hilarious. I can't wait to find out how she ended up with Kevin. It makes no sense to me. 
To be honest, I still don't know how she ended up with Kevin. Yeah. So yeah, that's still still TBD. It's a weird it's a weird one. I like that she's working with I guess her aunt. Yeah. That seems appropriate. Like the neighborhood coke dealer is catcalling and she ends up going with him at the end of the first episode to do some coke. That was pretty hilarious. That surprised me, actually, like that she made that choice. Like, let me just go on with this guy who's been like catcalling me for a while and who I don't like. I thought she was going to have sex with him. I thought she was full blown going to be like, screw it. Let's do this. Like, I'll cheat on my husband. I don't care. I'm so angry. I'm going to make some bad decisions. She definitely is going to make bad decisions. This is an AMC show. They're like experts in bad decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like. Doing a cocaine, doing cocaine for the night is also a bad decision. Do not get me wrong. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> but that's like nothing compared to what the rest of the season has in store. I'm excited. I love the fact that she was happy at the thought that she killed Kevin. So I think there's going to be some interesting turns. I can't wait for her to like actually blow up at this blowhard. And it, it's, it's such a cool concept. Like I'm. I, I really liked it. I, I'm glad you recommended it. The reason why I really recommended episode two to you, the first episode is very much setting up the world, right? At the very end of episode one, you get this scene where the sister-in-law or sister next door and Annie, they have this heart to heart and the sister betrays Kevin, just feels so bad for her and is like, you don't have any money. He spent it all just on stupid shit. Yep. Didn't you notice that he's always ordering stuff online? Like stuff has always come to the house. And then it's a shattering moment for her where she's, Oh my God, we don't have any money. I am stuck. Yeah. But like that, that little moment in their relationship, that's the thing, honestly, that keeps me going back. I like that. The one thing that I will like spoil is that you get actually more of her viewpoint as well. Well, you need some more women in the show because it really is driven by the misogyny at this point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's actually my favorite character in the whole show. She is really, really good. Like, boy, is it fun to watch her just play on screen. And because she as a character gets to go between both worlds like she is part of kevin's gang right but now she's starting to forge a relationship with allison that's probably the one thing that i think i'm the most excited for is like that relationship is super interesting super interesting all right i i'm excited to go forward i think it was a great suggestion if you have the means to find it uh recommending the first episode, at least, I I will keep going, but Kevin can fuck himself. All right. Uh, next week, I want to propose something. I want to watch a big, dumb adventure movie. And Disney just released on Disney Plus, Jungle Cruise. Stars Emily Blunt and The Rock. And we have done, a, we've done two weeks, like back-to-back David Lynch, which I was not 100% on board for. Then we did a pretty dramatic uh, TV show. I want to have fun with some Jungle Cats and watch the Jungle Cruise movie. How do you feel about this? I'm definitely in. 
I really like The Rock. And weirdly, San Andreas is like one of my favorite like <laughs> action, like disaster films. I've seen it like four times. It's not like good, but like I love it so much. So yeah, I, this, this sounds amazing. Perfect. I'm going to watch it at like very soon, I think. We've just, we've done some stuff. And that has been a little more challenging. I want to just go on a ride. Yeah, let's do it. It's based on a ride. Let's see if they can make it good, you know? (laughs) That's right. Maybe it'll be Pirates of the Caribbean good. I don't know. But we'll find out when we watch Disney's Jungle Cruise. And that's our show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please add a rating or review to your podcast app. The music you heard today comes from bensound.com and by exploring our show notes, you'll learn more about our friends who voiced our intros and where we secured our sound effects. You can find more episodes and information at our website, morethemovies.net or Facebook forward slash morethemoviespodcast. And if you want to interact directly, you can find both of us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. We'll be back soon with a new episode, so make sure to subscribe if you haven't yet. So until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more.